This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Your early 30s can feel like a pretty significant time. Friends getting married, careers taking off, and the incessant ticking of the biological clock. Yet, as fertility declines many will find they're not ready to start a family. So what do they do? One option is egg freezing, a treatment that's been on the rise in the past few years. And with the government set to bring in a new law extending the time limit for how long frozen eggs can be stored, from 10 to 55 years, it's set to get even more popular. Today we're asking... Is it something that any of us should be considering? Is egg freezing really worth it? I'm Shivani Dave, and this is The Guardian's Science Weekly Podcast. Before getting into whether it's worth it or not, the first thing I was curious about was why people are choosing to freeze their eggs in the first place. For that, I spoke to Zeynep Gurton a lecturer in women's health at University College London and a sociologist who studies the experiences of people engaging with reproductive technologies. She started by telling me about how social egg freezing first hit the headlines. When egg freezing was initially first covered in the media and, and you know, there were lots of headlines or media stories around egg freezing, in particular following Apple and Facebook's decision to provide egg freezing benefits for their employees. It was really very much within the context of career women or career women choosing to freeze their eggs so that they could focus on climbing the corporate ladder or something like that. We now know that that is a misconception. So for most women, egg freezing is not about trying to buy more time to climb the corporate ladder or establish themselves in a career. It's really much more about relationships. What I kept seeing again and again throughout my research was a a, a sort of a delay in reaching a, a level of commitment within relationships or the inability to find a committed relationship within which to start a family. Now, you might think 10 years... A whole decade sounds like enough time to hit the pause button. But through her research, Zeynep has found it can quickly creep up on people and leave them in a very difficult situation. I have spoken with several women in the last couple of years who reached the end of their 10-year storage limit, 
who hadn't yet used their eggs. And they were in a really dire situation. It was a very distressing situation for those women. And, you know, 10 years feels like a very long time, but uh, there are many reasons why 10 years might go by before somebody feels ready to use those eggs. And before the law changed, those women were either forced into creating embryos using donor sperm with those eggs or to try and export them abroad, which again is very complicated, expensive, difficult, or to, you know, or to or to try and use them before they felt absolutely ready. But it was really a sort of a choice that was forced upon them. And really the whole point of egg freezing is supposed to be, I guess in many ways, lifting this tyranny of the biological clock. And if you're lifting the tyranny of the biological clock but replacing it with a legal clock of 10 years, um, then that seems particularly cruel and unnecessary. So why was there a 10-year limit? It's something I asked Joyce Harper, Professor of Reproductive Science at University College London. The limitation of the 10 years, I really don't know how that ever got into UK law. And I did try to find out how we ended up with this, um, in my view, ridiculous law of 10 years for women who are freezing their eggs for social reasons. So when the law was passed, it allowed men to freeze their sperm for up to 55 years. And most men freezing their sperm are doing so because they've had their family and they're having a vasectomy. This is really a, a, a backup in case they change their mind and want to have more children in the future. Then if you're freezing your eggs for medical reasons, maybe you're having chemo or radiotherapy, the law had said you can extend your 10 years and up to 55 years. And this is very important because some of the women freezing their eggs for medical reasons can be even teenagers. That's that's all quite sensible. I did think 55 years really was quite excessive, but the rule for egg freezing someone in their wisdom had decided it would only be 10 years, which makes absolutely no sense at all. As a reproductive scientist, Joyce has been amongst those campaigning to get the law changed. In fact, Joyce actually worked in a fertility lab for a while as the person mixing the eggs and the sperm to make embryos. But alongside her technical knowledge, Joyce also has personal experience She had three children via IVF treatments, which starts off just like egg freezing. Egg freezing is the first part of IVF, the hardest part. And for women going through any type of fertility treatment, we have a lot of prodding and poking before we even start the the cycle where we'll collect the eggs. They check our endometrium's okay. They check so many different things. We have lots of vaginal scans. So it's a, a very invasive procedure for the woman. But things get even more complicated once she's going to embark on the cycle where she's preparing to have her eggs collected because she will need to take fertility drugs, which are really powerful hormones. And unfortunately, the main drug has to be injected and often daily. Psychologically, these drugs are very powerful and they can leave you feeling very, very emotional and really all over the place. And then when everything's ready, you will have a, it's a minor operation to have the eggs collected, um, but still it is uncomfortable to be sedated and to have your eggs collected. It is really gruelling and the last part of uh, fertility treatment, having the embryos transferred, is 
relatively easy. It's just like a smear. So egg freezing, it is tough. It's a tough procedure. It's not an easy option, but it's certainly an, an option. When it was first developed, egg freezing was done using a slow method, gradually cooling the egg cell. But in recent years, a different technique has made the process much more successful. How they're done now is a technique that's called vitrification. Vitrification had been around in other animal fertility treatment and IVF, such as mouse embryology, for, for decades, but no one had applied it to the human. And then when that was tried, um, it was found that it was very efficient for freezing eggs. It's, it's just a slightly different media and a slightly different technique. When the eggs are frozen, they're frozen, what we say, very rapidly. Unsurprisingly, it's much more complicated than just rapidly cooling the eggs down. You know when you put a water bottle in the freezer and forget about it, and it explodes and shatters? Well, because an egg cell is big and fragile and full of water and other nutrients, that's what would happen to it if you put it straight in the freezer too. So before it's cooled, there are a few steps to stop this from happening. And then they go in a big vat. It's certainly not like your normal freezer at home in liquid nitrogen, which keeps the, the eggs frozen at a, a really, really cold temperature. And then if we want to use the eggs, we just do everything in reverse. So we'll take them out of the freezer. We warm them quite quickly and then we keep them in our IVF lab for culture and hopefully make some embryos and transfer them back. The egg freezing process itself is very successful. Joyce explained that if you froze 10 eggs, you might expect nine of them to be viable after they've been warmed back up. However, the process as a whole? According to Zeynep, the success rate is much lower than we might expect. The data that we have to date suggests that so far, it's only about one in five of the women who have frozen their eggs that have come back to use them. And it's one in five of those that have come back that have ended up becoming mothers. So of those who try to use those frozen eggs, we're talking about a 20% success rate. So this technology at the moment is a very, very far cry from a guarantee, or you know, it's often talked about as an insurance policy. It would certainly be a very poor insurance policy that paid out only you know, one out of five times. Now, the caveat that we can make to that is to suggest that the figures we have at the moment are for women who were early egg freezers and that the technology is improving year on year. So women who freeze their eggs today might have uh, higher success rates. Women who are a bit younger when they freeze their eggs will have higher success rates. Women who freeze more eggs are likely to give themselves um, a higher chance. But those are all caveats. At the end of the day, we will always be talking about a technology that's going to be under 50% effective because even IVF is under 50% effective. So bearing in mind currently egg freezing is around 20% effective for those who even go back to use their eggs. It's a pretty gruelling process if you do, and it's very expensive. Do women really know what they're getting themselves in for? While there's clear, up-to-date information on the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Authority's website, that's probably not where any of us would go first. When, uh, you know, when individuals are thinking about egg freezing, 
generally what they'll do is they'll just go onto Google and they'll type egg freezing. And at the moment, what happens uh, when you do that is the first several pages will be almost exclusively private clinics offering egg freezing services. And of course, that's not necessarily comprehensive unbiased information about the technology. And I think that's something um, which should concern us. This led Zeynep and a colleague to do a study looking at how fertility clinics were advertising egg freezing on their websites. Unfortunately, what we found was that in most cases, the information on these websites was just inadequate. It wasn't very clear. It wasn't uh, very accurate. What we found in many of these websites was that the costs were downplayed and that the benefits, potential benefits of egg freezing were increased. All this leaves us with the original question. Is egg freezing really worth it? I first put the question to Joyce. It was it was a very hard journey, and actually today's my twin's sixteenth birthday. Um, but, Happy birthday! Um, <laughs> um, time goes very quickly. It was a very very hard journey. I had many many years of being convinced I would never have children. It never goes away, even if you're you have children from fertility treatment. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people about this. It's traumatic. It's still traumatic for me. It still makes me cry. I really don't want people to have to go through this if they don't need to. It's such a hard process. So I would always encourage women to try naturally first. And if that doesn't work, then I think that egg freezing is certainly something that's on the table for her to consider. Mm, Egg freezing, is it worth it? I think that question can only be answered on a case-by-case basis. So for some women, in some situations, it will be absolutely worth it. And it might be worth it even if they never go back to use those eggs. It might be worth it because it gives them a peace of mind for a few years. It might be worth it because it enables them to date sort of in a slightly more carefree way without this preoccupation about whether each person they meet would make a good father. But I think it's really important for women to have accurate, adequate, comprehensive information so that they can make that decision for themselves. And and think about not just whether it's financially worth it, but whether it's worth it to go through that medical procedure um, to subject their bodies to to the kind of the hormone regimes and to undergo the, the emotional journey that's involved in something like this as well. Thanks to Dr. Zeynep Gertin and Professor Joyce Harper. Joyce also has a book out called Your Fertile Years, if you want to find out more. That's it from this episode of Science Weekly. More reporting from The Guardian about eggs and fertility can be found on the podcast webpage. If you've got any thoughts, feedback or things you'd like to hear about, please drop us a message at scienceweekly at theguardian.com. Bye for now. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. 
The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.